You are listening to a sermon from Mission Point St. John. We hope this message encourages a deeper connection between you and Jesus, our Savior. Jesus, you may be seated tonight. My wife and I were driving yesterday and she said, what is it that you want to see happen at our missions conference this year? Of course, the obvious is we want a great faith promise pledge. And uh, rightfully so, we're trying to not only reach our city, but around the world. But there was something in my spirit that I just, I said, I want to see an absolute move of the Holy Ghost in our midst that people for the first time would be filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And people would be renewed in their walk with God and refreshed and revived. Amen. More than just a faith promise and that we will go and we will promote. But when this weekend is over. If it can be said that God moved the way God desires to move in our midst, it will be what we want to see happen. Amen. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord tonight. We welcome all of our guests to God's house, those in person watching or listening online tonight. And uh, we're so glad you're with us. Just quickly, I will do this each service, but uh, just quickly tonight, I want to share with you that our missions conference is about many things. Our missions conference is about global missions. And that's where, uh, of course, we're supporting close to, at this point, 100 missionaries, home orphanages, projects around the world, different countries, things that are happening. Global missions is a part of this church. It's a part of our district. And we're thankful for that. But our missions conference also supports North American missions where we're given the Christmas for Christ funds and that's the beginning of churches in North America supporting North American missionaries, church in a day projects, prison ministry, training opportunities, many things that are not only abroad but also here at home. Included also is our youth ministries and that's moved the mission offering funds, and we're so thankful to have our youth president with us tonight and his wife. Amen. Could you thank them for being in the house of the Lord as well? Our local youth events, North American Youth Congress, AYC trips, Bible quizzing, missionary vehicles, Christian education scholarships, and much, much more. I thank God for our young people. Amen. The youth of our district, the youth of our church, Missions Conference supports our youth ministries. 
It also supports our children's ministry, Save Our Children Offering Funds, North American uh, Global Children's Rallies, Overseas Orphanages, Disaster Relief, Bible Quizzing, trainer, Teacher Training Certification Programs that involve our kids, whether it would be our camps, whatever it might be. I'm thankful for our children's ministries. That is a, a huge uh, uh, proponent of our church and going forward is our kids, our children. Thank the Lord for our children, our ladies' ministries, Mother's Memorial, offering funds, global students, appliances for missionaries, Tupelo Children's Mansion, Able Ministries, Reflection Magazine, Today's Christian Girl. That's just a few of the things that our ladies' ministry supports. Uh, men's ministries, the Engage Offering, Home Orphanage, Apostolic Man Conference, Multicultural Ministries, All Nations Sunday, amen. Uh, many things that our men do, not only around our district, but around the world, amen. And so our missions conference is a supporter of our men's ministries. Included is our Bible College. Northeast Christian College has been in operation since 1955. We just had our opening service for our 68th year at Northeast Christian College, which used to be United Pentecostal Bible Institute. And I'm so thankful for our Bible college. Our uh, brother and sister Calhoun were president of our college for many years, and they're with us tonight, and we're appreciative of that. And uh, this church is a supporter of our Bible college. We have five students this year at NCC, and I'm so thankful, amen, to be laborers in the field, the harvest would go without being reaped. It's not an issue with the harvest. It's an issue with laborers, and our college is a huge part of training young men and women to be prepared for whatever capacity God wants them to be. And so Northeast Christian College is a part of our missions. Our Cruising for Christ, they just had their uh, rally, and uh, this is a, a very important aspect of our missions conference around the world. And uh, dozens and dozens of motorcycles have been purchased over the years for uh, uh, different fields, different countries, people that have no other means of transportation to get to the churches that they are pastoring. And Cruising for Christ is, is a huge part of them getting a motorcycle. I just got an email yesterday from one of our missionaries in Nicaragua, and he uh, had received five motorcycles. He said, Brother Carter, he said they would not be able to do what God wants them to do without those motorcycles. Cruising for Christ, what you're giving to missions is a part of that process. And so thank you for giving to missions at Mission Point. It's a part of our culture. It's a part of our DNA. And I believe without a doubt if missions remains a part of our church, we'll have no issues with growth. We'll have no issues with finance. We'll have no issues with harvest. We'll have no issues with what God has for us to do. Amen. It is the heartbeat of God. Amen. At home and abroad. And we're so thankful tonight to have with us our global missions director for the Atlantic District, him and his wife. Could you greet them tonight? Brother and Sister O'Donnell, thank you for being with us. Brother Donald, we want you to come and greet this congregation tonight. We're so grateful that you're with us and the great job that you're doing for our district. Amen. Welcome him as he comes.
Amen. Praise the Lord, everybody. Amen. Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord? Man, what a joy it is to be in church with all of you tonight in this missions conference. Somebody turn to your neighbor and just say hello. Would you do that? Praise God. Amen. Well, we're glad to be here. And I believe in global missions and I believe in missions, period. And, you know, here in this province, in this nation, uh, the world's coming to us. And I pastor just a little small town, but we've got people now from probably about eight or nine different nations in the world, and a lot of Brazilians. And they usually only come on Sunday night. They'll show up. And the other Sunday night, uh, this family came. I went down to pray for them. The lady only speaks Portuguese. And so I prayed for her, and I'm pretty sure she received the baptism of the Holy Ghost, because what I heard wasn't Portuguese, I don't think. And so my wife uh, was able to get a Bible study with them, a home Bible study. So we started that last night. And so uh, we went to their house, and my wife and I are there, and I'm sitting at the table, and we're teaching the home Bible study. And I was in mid-sentence, in a very important part of the home Bible study, and my chair legs gave out, and I collapsed to the floor, literally in less than a second, boom, right to the ground. And before I knew it, I was underneath the table, and uh, I said, surely they'll never want me back. I just destroyed their chair. And so they said, uh, Pastor, at the end of the Bible study, they said, Pastor, we'll be, we'll be back again. And uh, so thank God for that. Amen. Praise God. That was a relief. But, you know, the missionaries of our movement, our heroes, I love our missionaries. Thank you for what you give uh, to the, the great cause of global missions in this church, our district. The Atlantic District gives a tremendous amount. Matter of fact, it was over $1 million dollars. This past year, I just received the reports just a couple of days ago, over $1 million. Now, now New Brunswick is a, is a great part of that district, of course. And uh, the four top uh, in the 100, we have four churches in the top 100 of giving. Now, that's North America. That's Canada, the United States. Uh, I don't know how many churches we have, maybe close to 5,000. So, so out, out of that, four of our churches were in the top 100. And this church placed 43rd in North America. Would you give yourselves a hand? That is really, that's really something. That is, that is really amazing, and I thank you for that. Uh, matter of fact, uh, I, I, I've been going to Peru in the, in the fall, the last couple of years, and you folks gave to that cause, and I want to thank you for that. And I appreciate the cause and the burden that our pastor has. I love Brother Carter. I love this church. And we're so very thankful for the sacrifice. And I will look forward to watching online when I can and seeing how your faith promise goes. Um, you know, God is certainly moving in the world. And Brother Hal just sent us a, uh, a letter just the other day. And uh, I, I suppose they're going to give us the numbers at General Conference. But in the last part of the paragraph, it just disappeared on my iPad. There it is. Uh, it, it said here, Brother Howe said, We are observing a powerful worldwide church and a powerful move of God. He, and he said this, We just celebrated our largest year by far in the number of baptisms and the Holy Ghost influence in 238 nations and territories in the world. Isn't the Lord good? Amen. Praise God. And 
I follow some of these great men that are here. Brother Foster, I followed him for years uh, from afar and observed the great revival he has had there, and I believe it's in Dallas, somewhere there in Texas, and and of course, Brother Mark Dross, I followed him on Twitter for years now, and I'm always, I'm not going to steal your thunder, brother. I know you got a lot of great things to tell us, but I've been just hearing some great reports uh, and watching some of his crusades. I'll even watch the ones in Colombia and Mexico. I don't even know what's happening or what's being said. But I just enjoy watching people get the Holy Ghost. Amen? Amen. And so my daughter takes Spanish, and so she, she will sit with me and watch. I'll say, what did they say? What did they say? And she's trying to tell me what they said. And I've seen that. And I watched your Columbia crusade that you had recently. I passed her in a small little town, Chipman, New Brunswick. Matter of fact, it was really hot there when I left there today, and I drove to St. John in the fog. Amen. But in that little town, that's that church there, it is 92 or 93 years old. Now, I did not start the church, okay? If that's the case, I look really good for my age. Amen. But the church is 93 years old. And from that church, way back in the 30s, in the 40s, there, uh, Brother Bill Dross, the Pentecost, about 10, not even 10 miles from, from our church is where he grew up. And, uh, and, and he went to Columbia. I thought of this when I was watching their crusade. Brother Vernon Larson who went there uh, in Columbia to be a missionary. The very first church he pastored was the church that I pastored back in the 1940s. He pastored one year before he went to Columbia. Another man at around that same time, Sanford Johnson. I don't know a whole lot about him, but he received the baptism of the Holy Ghost and was baptized in our church and went to Columbia. God called him to Columbia. He had no idea about the South American or the Central American climate. He showed up on a boat from Miami and Long John's. And so he had no idea, but he goes there to labor. And so I just rejoice in all that God is doing around the world. Amen. And I, I'm just excited. I'm thankful for my heritage and my past, but I understand this. The greatest days of the church are ahead of us. Amen. Amen. Thank God for missions and thank God for this church. God bless you in Jesus' name. Let's give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Amen. Thank you, Brother Donald. Amen. I thank God for what he is doing. Amen. At this point, we're going to have our keynote message. And uh, Brother Tom Foster and his wife, Gala, uh, they have served as the head pastors of Dallas uh, First Church in Dallas, Texas for over 40 years. And in addition to his ministry there, of course, his preaching and teaching and significant part of uh, his life is not only spent in Dallas, it's everywhere else as well. And brother, you have been such a blessing to us. And um, many years ago, he was an advisor on, on the Sunday School Board when we were part of that as a director, and uh, we got to know him through that, and we have... Uh, loved his ministry, his enthusiasm for God, and his passion for souls. Brother Foster, we are so glad you're with us at Mission Point. Come and minister the word of the Lord to us tonight. Praise the Lord, everybody. Now, was that everybody? Praise the Lord, everybody. Wow, have I not been here in a while, and you have already forgotten? Come on now. What a privilege to be back 
at Mission Point. Wow. You love your pastor. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Now, this side over here is at a little bit of a disadvantage because we got a big hole right here. All right? So, come Sunday, we got to fill that in. We will. We will. So, that means y'all got to be a little louder. Boy, that went over real well. What a privilege of mine to be here, to come back to St. John, New Brunswick, Canada. And I walked in the building and thought I was in the wrong place. Y'all have remodeled. Y'all have, and this looks great. I like this. Man, we're in the round almost. Got a new pulpit here. You better have everything together because you can't hide behind this pulpit. <laughs> Lord Jesus. And your pastor and his wife, their leadership, uh, I just wish he would be busy. <laughs> I, I wish y'all would give him something to do. Uh, I know he's very busy pastoring this church and the growth and the revival that y'all have. And now for four years as superintendent of the Atlantic District and for how many years president of the Bible College and we could go on. I admire him and love him. He's always been such a force of optimism. You never had to worry about him on a committee speaking up and it being doom and gloom and doubt and no it's always let's go let's do something let's go all right i i can tell right now y'all are wanting me to do it y'all i mean y'all are not gonna let me get by without so are you ready assume the position now if you don't know what i'm talking about you get out on the edge of your seat you lean forward. You stretch your hands out just like this, and then you begin to shake them. It's all right. I got a little time. I can wait on you. Are you ready? I know y'all are ready. Here we go. And when I get to three, I want you to throw your... Boy, right now, some of y'all are thinking... Pastor, you brought this guy in here? This is so elementary. This is, just stay with me. Hang with me. All right, you ready? When I count down to three, when I get to three, you throw your hands high in the air. It's liable to pull you up out of your seat, and you shout, yow, just as loud as you can. You ready? Here we go. One, two, three. Ooh, Lord. Don't you feel better? Yeah. Get the blood pumping. Get to go. Oh, I just read somebody's mind. They said, I wish we'd do it again. Okay, assume the position. We'll do it. One, two, three. Oh, Lord, have mercy. 
Man, we do this just about every Sunday morning in Dallas. And Lord have mercy. A couple of Sundays ago, they started the wave. Oh, it was crazy. I am so thrilled to be here with your pastor and his wife. They took us out to eat today. And I found out that a lot of his ideas come from her. She'll wake him up in the middle of the night and tell him, hey, we need to do this. And he will say, can it wait till morning? Lord, I admire them, love them. And then to be here with my friend Mark Dross and his wife Evie Dross. So good to see them. A tremendous force for apostolic revival across our world, and I am just thrilled to be here a part of this with them. All right, very quickly, my text tonight is found in Jeremiah chapter 33 and verse number 3, and we will read that, and I am, uh, again, wanting to tell you how excited I am to be here with you. Wow. All right. Jeremiah chapter 33, verse 3. Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things, which thou knowest not. I give you honor and glory, Jesus Christ. Bless us tonight. In Jesus' name, somebody shout amen. 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 I feel revival. I feel growth. I feel progress. I feel hope. Hey, what you're doing this weekend will foster revival around our world. This is not the time to go down. It's the time to go up. It's not time to be out. It's time to be in. So I want to take just a moment and extract with a spiritual syringe the quotes and conduct and behavior and cliches that have been spoken over this pulpit so many times. I bring nothing new. I want to inject into the fiber of this church's spirit so that we will continue to run this race with patience, strength, and wisdom. To hear what the Lord is saying. And know, and you to be reminded that Jesus Christ is on your side. I charge you tonight with the capacity and strength and motivation of the word of the Lord. That what God has given to you. Make a powerful declaration over your own life. Uh, that I will not be average. I will not just go along to get along. I will not just sing the song. I will not sit on the curb and dangle my feet in a puddle and watch the parade go by. 
but I will rise to the occasion and stand tall with my feet planted in the word of God and say, if God be for me, who can be against me? And let's lead the parade. Uh, come on, somebody. Uh, let's grasp the baton of courage uh, and be empowered. Uh, I want to brand these words deep into your soul with the Holy Ghost uh, that with such clarity and uh, move you strategically to face the challenge that your pastor so ably gave you tonight. This heritage of faith that Mission Point has, it's been set before us with godly leaders of today and yesterday. And they have encouraged us in times to walk in integrity and faith. I want to challenge you again. Your chains can break your praise. Or your praise will break your chains. When you conquer your doubt and fear, then you conquer your failure. Come on, somebody. This is not the time to just go along with the flow. It's time to stand and encourage others. He is still the God of miracles. So let your roots run deep, deeper than they ever have, and launch yourself with purpose. And what you believe is what you will become. If you look for disappointment, you will be disappointed. But if you look for victory, you will find it. Oh, if you look for the appointment with God, uh, He will anoint you. Uh, quit worrying and start worshiping. Worry is the number one useless activity on the face of our earth. Let our worry be worship and our God will turn our battles into breakthroughs. Oh, come on. If you worship, you can triumph. If you worship, you can win. If you worship, you will overcome. So don't let your environment become your greatest influence. No, a ship can sail on the water. But if too much of the water gets inside the ship, it, become, it becomes a victim of its circumstance. Oh, I don't want that. You're not a victim. You're a victor. You have new dimensions, a new season. And there is a destiny for this church that's greater than you've ever seen. After we went out to eat today, we returned back to our room. And I prayed and sought God for this service. I thought I would go in a completely other direction. But God changed my mind. And I left the candy stick back in the room. 
and I came to preach to you for just a few short minutes about the power of the Almighty God in your destiny. It's for you. Uh, you have had testimonies of great deliverances. I was here, I believe, some five years ago, maybe six. Uh, and wow, I remember that Sunday night, the numbers coming in and the excitement and the power. I remember the glory and the anointing uh, in this tabernacle. Uh, and it's transformed your heart over all these years. Uh, and it's so much victory. First Kings chapter 17 verse 13 is where the prophet Elijah told that widow at Seraphim to make a cake. He said, make me a cake. She said, but all I've got is enough meal to make my son a cake and me a cake. He said, you make me a cake. She did. And as she gave, what happened? For the rest of that season of drought, Every time she went to the meal barrel and the oil barrel, she found enough meal and enough oil to make a cake for her family. I'm telling you, God responds to radical, sacrificial giving. He didn't just meet her immediate needs, but her blessings overflowed. Ha, I'm preaching to somebody. You already have it in your mind what you want to give. You already have it there, but God is challenging you. Let's go above. Let's go beyond. Let's do more. In Matthew chapter 26 in verse 7, this woman came with an alabaster box of ointment. She poured it over the body of Jesus Christ. Some looked on as a waste, but Jesus said it was a good work and that her sacrifice would be a memorial of her. And we're preaching about her tonight. I wonder, somebody sacrificed this week of what they're going to give to God. God for world missions uh, that will reach around the world uh, but also across this city and providence uh, will be a memorial spoken forever about you. Come on, read Luke uh, 21 uh, and we get a clearer picture. The little poor widow woman, all she brought was a mite uh, and she gave it. But Jesus took notice and he said she gave more than the wealthy men because she gave all she had. Uh, oh, I'm preaching to somebody right now. Let's give more than we think we can. Let's give more than what we think we can. It was one year ago this month. We were reminded and we were trying to pay off our building. We've been in that building uh, 20 years now. And we still owed over a million dollars, a million and a half. And we wondered, wow, how's this going to happen? What's going on? I want to tell you from a challenge, from a preacher, three of our men got together and brought to our church a plan. And they said, here's how we can do it. And we'll pay it off in five years and it'll be over with. And can I tell you, 
that it didn't take a year. It didn't take five years. It didn't take a year. But in just a few short months, because a church rallied together, we had our mortgage-burning note. And we had the confetti cannons going off. And wow, and the giving was astronomical. But at the end of the year, we were looking at it. I said it was a year ago. It was two years ago. And so we celebrated the end of last year. And we were so excited. But then the church secretary come. And he said, Pastor, you don't realize this. But we were also number one in our district in giving to missions. Not just world missions or uh, uh, the uh, global missions, but also with our world mission offering. I'm standing here as an example to tell you. I could go through our uh, church and tell you this one and that one and that one and how many more testimonies that we gave and look what God gave. Uh, I can tell you of Melissa who gave with her husband and on both of their jobs, their salaries doubled within six or seven months of giving in that offering. Can I tell you of others that were healed in their body? Listen, you're no stranger to these kind of stories. They have been lived out in front of you. I just want to encourage you again. Let's take hold. Let's dig in. And let's make up in our mind. Let's go further than we've ever done. Let's dig deep. Uh, Psalms 112 verse 5. It's a promise that God said it'll be well with you as you give generously. Proverbs 22 and 9. If you give bountifully, you will be blessed. Uh, Psalms 37 26. Your children will be blessed because of your generosity. Uh, Proverbs 3 and 9, Proverbs eleven twenty five. the work of your hands will be blessed. Uh, Acts 20 and 35, you will be happy when you're generous in your giving. Uh, Proverbs eleven twenty four. you will grow richer as you give. Uh, uh, Philippians 4, 19, also Proverbs 28, 27, God himself will meet your needs when you give. Hey, I want to challenge somebody. Let's not just give of what we have. Let's go above. Let's go beyond. Let's reach further. Oh, no more fear. I want to speak into that. No more fear. Don't let fear rule you. Don't hold back from God. Don't let others hold you back. Don't hesitate. Uh, just Give not because of the abundance that God's given me. Give of everything you've got. Hey, it's sinking. There's something happening here. Your pastor got up and then Brother O'Donnell came. And they're talking about your giving and where you are and what you have done. I wonder on judgment day. When you go running into heaven,
How many will be lining the streets and shouting your name because you gave a missionary went, because you gave a pastor came on a motorcycle. I love that, cruising for Jesus. Wow, cruising for Christ. I thought he was going to be talking about going on a cruise somewhere. I was going to sign up for that ministry. I don't ride a two-wheeled horse. I ride a four-footed horse. Come on, somebody. You can't outgive God. The more you give to God, the more God gives back to you. Oh, yeah, I, I told you about the church and how in a little over a year we were able with sacrificial giving, what we thought would take years, it took place in just a few months. I looked out from the church and I saw a big truck pull in this week. And they were setting up and there were workers and I come out and I wonder what in the world are they doing? And they were drilling. And I had forgotten that we're already talking with the architect. And we're lining up how we're going to remodel our existing building so it can seat more. And we're going to start building another building. That's about four uh, that will double the one we have now. And they're drilling. And I'd forgotten. I said, what are they doing out there in the parking lot? And y'all are just acting like it's okay. And they said, Pastor, have you forgotten? The architect said there was going to be. I went, oh, yeah. That's right. I went out there and said, hey, y'all need some water? Y'all need something to drink? Yeah, y'all are helping us out here. This is a, you can't out give God. And the more you give, the more he blesses. And the more he blesses, the more you'll give. And the more you give, the more keeps coming into the church. I'm telling you, a sacrificial giver will be a sacrificial worshiper. And a sacrificial worshiper will help in the sacrifice of a harvest. That's what I'm preaching about right now. We've got a mightier one coming to preach in just a few moments. But there's miracles here tonight. There's wonders here tonight. There is victory in this place tonight. There is joy unspeakable in this place tonight. It's not time for us to sit back and say what we've done in the past is enough. It's time to move forward. It's time to go like never before. It's time to shout wow with the word of wisdom and say this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. It's time to say yeah my neighbors are coming to God. My loved ones are coming to God. My family, this is the year their revival is now. Wow. Somebody shout yeah. All right, before I sit down, before I sit down, everywhere I go, I talk about the revival of prayer. The revival of prayer. The Lord spoke to me in January of this year and said there's two words from our church. The first word is prayer. The second word is evangelism. And so I preached prayer. I preached intercessory prayer. 
I preached about the blood-soaked words of Jesus Christ. And they were, it was a prayer. Oh, Lord. And God told me, uh, because he knows me, if a preacher has to call me to come preach for me, he's probably not going to come preach for me. I don't know. That's, that's how I've been for 41 years. And, wow. Uh, the Lord told me, he said, look, I'm going to have a preacher call you. And you're going to have him come preach for you. I said, Lord, you know what, how I am. He said, I'm sending him. He's going to call you. I said, okay, let's do it. Wow. And that next week, I was preaching about intercessory prayer. And a preacher heard it. And he called me. And he said, well, you were preaching. Something stirred in my spirit. And God told me to call you and to tell you I need to come and preach to your people. And I said, well, I'm telling you right now, if God hadn't told me you were going to call me, you wouldn't be coming. <laughs> he said, that's why I hesitated in calling you. But Brother Doug Kleindens came to our church. He said, all I have is this one Sunday. I said, that's fine. Come preach. God's already told me. We're in here. So he come. And that Saturday night, we were talking. And I, our hearts melted together. And I went, man, it's prayer. He said, that's what I'm going to preach about tomorrow. And uh, he, he said, my wife has this prayer meeting. It's about 150 to 200 pastor's wives, preacher's wives. And they gather every morning at 6 o'clock Eastern time. And uh, uh, so that would be 7 o'clock your time. And he says they gather and they pray on the phone. And they're all across North America and some from overseas. And he says they pray. So that was 5 o'clock our time. And I said, well, look. She's going to do it while y'all are here? Yeah. Because he was going to be there Sunday through Wednesday. I said, okay. We're going to have church Sunday morning. And then Monday morning, we're going to meet y'all. And we're going to pray at 5 a.m. And Monday night's our normal prayer meeting night. You will lead that prayer. We'll do it Tuesday morning. We'll do it Wednesday morning. You'll preach Wednesday night. Then y'all leave Thursday. And let's see how it goes. Wow. Can I tell you, it started. That was one week. And then it went two weeks. And he wasn't even there that next Sunday. He came in on Monday. And we had Monday night prayer, Tuesday morning, and Wednesday morning, 5 a.m. prayer. And then he would preach Wednesday night, and he would leave. And we rolled on that way all the way March and April. And, man, it was so good. There's that first day, there's only 19 people gathered to pray. But at 5 a.m., I felt pretty good. And then it jumped to 30, and then 40, and then 50. And we topped out about 67 at 5 a.m. And we went, in the month of May, he, he was there for Sunday. And he had preached Sunday and Wednesday. And oh, and we'd pray, and we'd pray. And then 
June, he was only there one weekend. But we started again in the month of July. And that's when revival started. And people started coming. And new people. And wow. Most revivals, hear me, most revivals affects the periphery of the church. Most revivals you stir up. The core's already stirred up, so you get new people coming in, and they're on the periphery. And you, But this revival was just the opposite. It revived the core. It got into the core. And that prayer, that hunger, uh, that intercessory prayer, yeah, here was something started happening. It was sacrifice. I mean, getting up and be there. I mean, I'd, I'd have to get up at 420 and able to get ready and drive the little way to the church and be there and wow wow we walk in the building and brother Clindance had playing that old song sweet hour of prayer and then we'd turn it on and all those people praying around the world you'd hear them mic'd over the sound system and joining in with us and then we'd address them with those at the church and things started happening I want to tell you since then we have had 103 people receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost and be baptized in Jesus' name. And we're not through yet. Ah, uh, oh, yeah, he's coming back. And we're going to crank it up again. And next year, we're going into high schools. I could tell you about the first high school we've been in. And we walked in. You're not supposed to pray in school, but we went in. Our little lady from the church, new convert, a year old, went in. And she said, I want to pray in this school. They said, you can't do it. She said, you didn't hear me. I want to pray in this school. And the little lady at the desk said, no, you can't. And she kept telling her. She said, if you don't leave, ma'am, I'm going to call the police. She said, okay, before I leave, do you have anything in your life I can pray with you about? And the woman started weeping. And her kids and her husband. And so she simply prayed for her. And while she was praying, she began to speak in tongues. <laughs> Loud. And the principal stuck his head out of the door and said, what is going on? And uh, he said, oh, y'all are praying. And he went and got everybody else from the uh, offices, the administrative staff. And he said, lady, would you pray for all of us? What I feel. And man, they begin to pray. Can I tell you, to make the long story short, the next week, we had 20 people on site. And they could go anywhere in that school they wanted to and pray. And from 7 o'clock in the morning to 8 o'clock. So we'd come pray at the church. Then go get a little something to drink and eat and then head to the school. And we'd pray all over that school. Can I tell you, we started having revival and praying people through as they were coming into the school. People come in and say, what are y'all doing? We were leaving then. What are y'all doing? Oh, we're praying. They said, would you pray for us? And I, I was getting ready to leave and I looked over there and man, this lady had three women around her and she's gripping their hands and she's praying for them. I looked over there and a fella had two or three people around him and he's praying and these wasn't students they were parents who brought their kids to school and then I looked up and some of the kids were praying I'm telling you we've had apostolic revival let's pray let's pray let's sacrifice let's
Let's give. Let's see revival. Let's stand our feet right now. Lift your hands to heaven. I'm telling you, I prophesy to you, there's a revival in this church right now. I feel a revival spirit in this church. I feel the almighty moving already on your behalf. Come on. Let's praise him right now. Let's give God the glory. Praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Clap your hands to the Lord. Give God praise in the house. Come on now, somebody give God praise in the house. I don't hear you. Lift up your voice. Give God praise in the house. We praise you, mighty God. We praise you, mighty God. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Pastor Foster, Bishop Foster. It is a joy to be able to share this pulpit with you. Amen. What a joy to be in St. John. Amen. I was glad when they said unto me, let's go to St. John. Amen. Let's go to missions conference. Amen. The last time I was here, there was nobody in this building. Only pastor. Amen. And some of the singing folks and and uh, no, it was uh, you were doing the music. Amen. Praise God. Hallelujah. And so I said to the pastor, I said, I hope they get with me better than last time. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. If you don't, then we're in trouble. Amen. We're in trouble. Praise God. You may be seated just for a, a, a minute. It is such a joy to be here. Thank you, Pastor uh, Carter. What a joy. What a privilege to be able to be here and uh, be here in this missions conference and be with you and your lovely wife, amen. Um, and we honor your pastor and first lady. How many love your pastor and first lady, amen. Aren't they great people? Praise the Lord, amen. And it is just such an honor to uh, be able to also be here with uh, Bishop Foster. Uh, we're actually neighbors, amen. Uh, I literally live about five minutes away from the church that, that he pastors, and uh, so this is, this is quite an event. We hardly ever see each other back in Texas, but we met in St. John, hallelujah, at a steakhouse, amen. That was pretty Texas, amen, hallelujah, but what a, what a joy to be here, amen, and um, it is also a joy to see Brother Hanscom, amen, and his wife, missionaries for so many years, amen, and just great people, hallelujah, always having a passion for uh, revival around the world, hallelujah. And I'm glad to see Brother O'Donnell, amen, Lord bless you and your wife, Brother Calhoun, my God of mercy, uh, known him for years, hallelujah, and um, just a great, great opportunity to be here, so thankful. I'm glad to see Rachel back there, that's my niece back there, amen, that's Rachel, y'all better be good to her, amen, if you're not, you let me know and your uncle will come take care of people, amen, that's my niece right there, and I'm so glad to see her, 
And I'm so glad to have my beautiful lady with me, my wife. Amen. She didn't come last time, but I said, you got to come with me this time. And I'm glad she is here. Her first time in St. John, New Brunswick. Amen. Hallelujah. Can you imagine I haven't had ketchup chips yet? Now, that's a miracle. Now, I've got them in my car. Amen. I've got them. My uncle bought me some bags of ketchup chips. Amen. And I've got them in the car, but I still have not cracked a bag open yet. But we're going to because it's going to be powerful. You cannot come to Canada and not have some good ketchup chips. Amen. So I'm excited about it. I wanted to share with you real quick a little video clip of my mom and dad back in 1974 when they were fixing to go to the country of El Salvador back in 1974. I want you to, if you could play that clip, it's about 40 seconds long around there. I don't think it even has sound. There they are. That's my brothers right there, Stephen and Daniel. Stephen's her dad, Rachel's dad. And you won't see me because I'm there, but not in picture. I was actually in my mama's belly at that time right there. That lady, I was, I was already in the oven right there. In 1974, when they were fixing to go to El Salvador. Praise God. Isn't that awesome? awesome. Amen. Praise God. Ooh, I might get a little emotional. Amen. Uh, Great people of God. Great people of God. And they went, and that year, it was, I was born in, in July of 1974. I was born, I'm still a young pup, y'all pray for me, amen, and, um, and they went to the country of El Salvador and had the greatest revival that was ever registered up to that point in the country of El Salvador. I want you to know something, the greatest missionaries that the United Pentecostal Church has ever had, a great majority of them came out of New Brunswick, Canada came out of New Brunswick, Canada. Yeah. Amen. Right. I, think, I think we should clap about yeah. that. Right. Amen. Amen. That is absolutely powerful. Amen. Praise God. I want to invite you to stand and let's go to the reading of the word in 2 Timothy chapter 3 and reading verse 1 all the way to verse 5. And uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3. Verse 1 all the way to verse 5. Actually, it's actually verse 2. I apologize. No, verse 1. Amen. Yeah. Yeah, I got it right there. Amen. And the word of the Lord says, This know also, that in the last days, everybody say last days, perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of them, of them own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, and unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, 
false accusers, incontinent, amen, sorry, sometimes Spanish comes out, amen, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. From such, turn away. What I like about this scripture, when it began, it says, in the last days. The last days. And I believe God is going to move in this place in a powerful way. There is going to be a calling that's going to come out in the spirit. Somebody's going to respond to that calling. I feel a move of the Holy Ghost already. I feel a witness in the spirit of what God is going to do in this house by the power of the name of Jesus. Will you help me pray right now? Holy Ghost is going to move in this house. Lord Jesus, we thank you. You are mighty. You are powerful. You are awesome. There is no God like you. In fact, you even looked all over the universe and declared that outside of you, there is no other God that saves. You are the only saving God. Lord, I ask you in this moment, put the devil in his place and let your name be glorified in this house. In Jesus' name, amen. Now clap your hands to the Lord. Give God a shout of praise up in this house. In the mighty name of Jesus. Oh, Lord, have mercy. You may be seated in the presence of Almighty God. I remember years ago, back in 1988, where there was a man that wrote a book, 88 Reasons Why God Was Coming in 1988. Anybody remember that book? Amen. 88 Reasons. People bought that. He became a millionaire. Amen. I've been trying to write a book maybe 2024. Amen. Get me some millions. Amen. And, uh, but it, it was all that he was going to come. God was going to come in September of 1988. I remember at that time we were on deputation and we arrived at a church where they were, they were serious about that book. They were serious that God was going to come in September of 1988. And we were there literally like, like about two weeks before the date. Man, we got so blessed. People were giving us clothes. They put a brand new motor in our motor home. They even bought my dad a cell phone. You know those kind that were in a bag. Amen. Because we didn't have normal cell phones back then. It was in a bag. He was the first missionary ever to have a cell phone in a bag. We were, I, I mean, they were buying us clothes like crazy. And not just, not Walmart clothes. These were like name brand clothes. Now I'm like, well, if the Lord's coming, I don't know why they're buying this. So I, I'd change clothes three times a day. Amen just to be able to wear all the clothes that they were getting us. And so it came the moment of the day of when supposedly the Lord was coming, and guess what? He didn't come. 
And you know what was amazing about that is that people begin to backslide from there because they felt like they were deceived. All they had to do was read the Word of God where the Bible lets us know that nobody knows the hour and nobody knows the day. Not even the angels in heaven know the hour and the day. So the moment somebody begins to say, oh, well, it's going to be a certain day, you know they're already lying. Amen. Because not even the angels know the day. But we must look at the signs that the Lord Jesus gave us to allow us to know when we are in the last days. He begins by saying in Matthew chapter 24 and allows us and gives us warning against the spirit of deception. In Matthew chapter 24 and verse 4, And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. Verse 24, it says, For there shall rise up false Christ and false prophets, and shall show great signs and wonders, and as much that if it were possible, they shall deceive even the very elect. In other words, even the best of us, the, the ones that have been in church for a while, will even be deceived by this. He says, but don't, don't, don't get deceived yourself. In the next few verses, Jesus tells us the signs we will see on earth that will indicate his soon return. In Matthew 24, verse 5, For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and they shall deceive many. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nation shall rise up against nation, and kingdom against kingdom, and there shall be famine, and pestilence, and earthquakes in diverse places. All these things are the beginning of sorrows. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you. And you shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. And then shall many be offended. Hallelujah. And shall betray one another and shall hate one another. And many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. Praise God. In other words, he says, you're going to go through some stuff. But if you hold on to the end, salvation is coming to your life. Hallelujah. He says, you got to hold on to the end. You're going to go through stuff. You're going to see stuff. These are the signs of it. But watch this. If we're not careful, we can take all these warnings to be a reason for us to be guarded and fearful in our lives. Paralyzed by fear in our surroundings. 
Ah, better hide in a place and say, well, I don't want to go through any stuff like that. Amen. I remember not too long ago, I saw this sister they had testimony service and she got up and she said they've been laughing at me because of my skirt at work and I've been under persecution I I felt like telling her would you please be quiet amen that's not persecution that's somebody making fun of you And if they're making fun of you, take it as a compliment uh, because that means you're, you're, you're standing out in the crowd. Uh, You're being a light in the midst of darkness. Uh, Praise God. But the Lord allows us to know that there are going to be some rough waters. There's going to be some rough times. There's going to be some some persecutions rising up and there's going to be wars and rumors of wars and diseases. Uh, He says, but don't get discouraged in the middle of it uh, because it's not time for us to throw in the towel, but it's time for have the greatest revival that we've ever had in the history. Somebody give God praise right now. I don't hear you. Give God praise right now. Glory to God. We could misread these verses and take them to mean that we should be living in on the defense, just hoping and holding on until Jesus comes. Like that song says, hold the fort. Praise God, just holding on until Jesus comes. Some folks are just hanging by a nail until Jesus comes. Oh, Lord have mercy. Even to the point that that we're walking on eggshells because we don't want to offend anybody. Church has become too user-friendly. That we don't want to offend nobody. For goodness sakes, don't preach about sin because somebody might get offended. Don't tell it like it is because somebody might get offended. So we start walking on eggshells like a ship. We just need to be careful. Oh, I tell you, that's not the warnings weren't for that. The warnings was to let us know what to be expected in the last days and for us to amp up revival in these last days. My Lord, have mercy. Somebody give God praise right there. It's not time for us to take a back seat. It's time for us to get in the driver's seat and begin to drive revival by the power of the name of Jesus. Somebody that believes it, clap your hands to the Lord. Glory to God. See, Jesus and the Apostle Paul told us of these things to prepare us for this hour and not for us to escape this hour. To prepare us for this and not for us to escape it. Not for us to have a mentality of, uh, oh, this is doom and gloom and we ain't going to. No, it was to prepare us. Yeah. 
to understand that because it was already written, then also everything else that is written will come to pass. Amen. It's not for us to be there freaking out and, and having ourselves a pity party uh, and feeling sorry for ourselves. Uh, it's for us to understand if these are the signs, uh, then we're getting close to the end. Uh, I said we're getting close to the end. And because we're getting close to the end, we've got to see revival like we've never seen it before. I wish I had somebody that will give God praise right now. Clap your hands to the Lord. See, I want you to know I believe Jesus is coming. I said, I believe Jesus is coming. I've got about two of you that believe it with me. I said, I believe Jesus is coming. I wish I had some apostolics up in this place that believes that Jesus is coming. How many believe that Jesus is coming? I believe he's coming. I believe he's coming. I believe he's coming. I believe any moment there is going to be the sound of the trumpet. In fact, every once in a while, when I see a cloud formation, I ask the Lord, is it in that cloud that you're coming back for your bride? He's coming back again. I got to say it again. He's coming back again. Does anybody believe that in this place? That is our hope in this place. He's coming back again. Somebody clap your hands to the Lord. I believe. I believe that Jesus is coming. But see, this is the thing. This is the thing. I think that we have focused more on an exit strategy instead of a warfare and revival strategy. Praise God. We've been trying to push people to heaven so much that we've forgotten about the people that we need to save to get to heaven. Praise God. Let me tell you something about the disciples. The disciples were so dedicated to get the gospel around the world. Because they knew, they knew, and they felt that the second return of Jesus depended on them getting the gospel around the world. It depended on it. They knew that the coming of Jesus would either be sped up or delayed because of the work that they did for the kingdom. They were convinced of that. They were convinced if we don't get the gospel around the world, we're not going to see the return of Jesus Christ. And so that's why they were going and they were preaching and they were seeing the sick be healed and they were seeing people being converted and they were relentless about it because they said, if we get the gospel around the world, then Jesus will return. That was their passion. 
That was their drive. That's why, that's why they were so aggressive. Even in the face of persecution, they said, we got to get the gospel around. We got to get the gospel out. We got to get it around the world. Because, because it's what's going to bring change into the world. And I come tonight by the power of the name of Jesus. And I say to you tonight, we got to get the gospel around the world. I said, we got to get the gospel around the world. We don't have much time left. We got to get this gospel around the world. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. I said, I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. The apostles weren't hiding and praying, Lord, get us out of this world. Embrace the mission that Jesus had given them. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Today I went to, I went to my parents' gravesite today in Fredericton. Both of them laying there, their gravesite today. My father passed away in, in, in September of 2020. My mother passed away in uh, 2000, uh, was it 2001? My mother passed away. Both of them there laying in the ground. Amen. My dad didn't know anything else but revival. He didn't have any hobbies. He didn't have anything like that. It was revival, revival. He breathed revival. He talked about revival. He thought about revival, walked in revival. It was revival, revival, revival. And then I step back from their gravestone and I see my grandmother's gravestone, Ruth Drost, who she was, Bill Drost, the Pentecost wife. And on her gravestone, it says, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. And I looked at that. I said, look at these two generations that they took that scripture to heart. They said, we got to get the gospel preached around the world and I come and I say it's still there there's still a passion for it we got to get the gospel around the world somebody give God a shout of praise I don't hear you give God a shout of praise right now we into all the world and, and preach we got to get the gospel around the world. We got to preach it. We got to preach it with passion. It's got to be on the inside of us. He, they they believed that they they believed the mission. They embraced the mission. Go ye unto all the world and preach to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. In my name shall they cast out devils. They shall speak in new tongues. If they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. They shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. This is not a maybe thing. This is a shall thing. Because God backs his word. 
with miracle signs and wonders. Oh, I wish I had somebody right there. I feel the Holy Ghost wanted to explode in this place tonight. I said, I feel the Holy Ghost wanted to explode in this place tonight. They shall, they shall recover. It's not a maybe thing. It's a shall thing. I believe there's going to be miracles released in this place tonight by the power of the name of Jesus. Do I have any faith folks up in this place that believes that miracles are going to be released in this place by the power of the name of Jesus? Somebody give God praise right now. It's the gospel. It's the gospel. It's the gospel. It's the gospel. When the gospel is preached, it produces what it says it will do. It produces what it says it will do. I remember years ago when I came back to the United States, we were, we were under Brother Foster for a while. Amen. And, uh, and, 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 I started getting into all this psychology stuff. You know, people start getting all the uh, preachers getting into psychology stuff. I was getting all into all this psychology stuff. And, and uh, my dad invited me to come down and preach a crusade. And I decided I was, gonna, I was going to apply all my new learned wisdom from the United States of America. Oh, yeah, I was going to apply it right there in Mexico, amen, in the conference. And I, I get up and I start doing this whole psychology stuff and trying to connect it with the Bible and all this kind of stuff. And, and then I made an altar call and there were hundreds to be filled with the Holy Ghost. You've been there, Pastor, amen. Hundreds to be filled with the Holy Ghost and only maybe 20 got it. And my dad... Oh, Lord, have mercy. He came up right next to me. He just kind of stood next to the pulpit. And he said, son. I said, yes, dad. He said, you know, the gospel does what it says it will do. He said, the gospel produces what it says it will do. He said, preach the gospel and you will see revival. Hallelujah. Preach the gospel and you will see revival. Oh, Lord, have mercy. You know what's powerful? We preached the gospel two weeks ago. And 2,206 were filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. To God be the glory. When you preach the gospel, it will produce what it says it will do. Oh, God. I wish I had somebody that could give God praise right now. Somebody give God praise right now. I feel that we are in the last days. We're in the last days. We can't be playing around. We're in the last days. 
We're in the last days. And, oh, I wish I had a mama up in this place that you'd understand. We're in the last days. We can't wait for your kid to be just playing around out there in the world. They need to be back in the house of the Lord. They need to be saved. You need to get aggressive with it. You need to get in their face. You need to pray for them. You need to see revival in the name of Jesus. We're in the last days. Our job is to empty hell and populate heaven that's our job we got to get the gospel around the world somebody give God praise right now I don't hear you give God praise right now lift up your voice give him praise right now I need intercessors interceding I said, I need some intercessors interceding right now. Will you stand all over this place? Will you begin to lift up your hands in the presence of God? I need people lifting up their voice. I feel a burden of the Holy Ghost upon this house right now. I can't just warm up a pew. I've got to become a soul winner. I've got to win souls. I've got to sow seed to see the gospel be preached all over the world. Somebody lift up your voice. I feel the glory of God in this house. Come on, I need intercessors lifting up their voice right now. Yes, yes, yes. Come on now. Lift up your voice right now. There's a burden. There's a stirring in the spirit. I said there's a stirring in the spirit right now. There's somebody that's starting to respond to the voice of the Lord right now. God's calling somebody. God's calling somebody. God's waking somebody up right now. It's time for revival. We're in the last days. It's time for revival. It's time for revival. That's it. That's it. Lift up your voice. I feel the glory of God in this house. Glory, 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 glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I need intercessors walking these aisles right now. I need people that are prayer warriors begin to walk these aisles right now. I feel the Lord moving in this house. I feel the Lord moving in this house. Chains are being broken right now by the power of the name of Jesus. If there's anybody that's at home that's watching me right now, I declare power going to your house. I declare healing power come into your house right now that the glory of God will come upon you in the name of Jesus that's it keep on lifting up your voice if you need a miracle will you come up right now God is going to do miracles right now in the name of Jesus you need a miracle come on up you need God to touch your body come on up in the name of Jesus come on come on come on come quickly
I feel the Holy Ghost moving in this house. I need ministry ready to pray right now. If you need the Holy Ghost, come on up. We want to pray for you. We want to pray the Holy Ghost on you. Holy Ghost is here. Revival is here. I said revival is here. That's it. That's it. I feel the Holy Ghost moving. If you have lost loved ones, will you come and get in this altar and stand in their place right now? In the name of Jesus, I need altar workers working right now, praying for these folks. There's a burden in this place. I feel revival in this place. There you go. Come on now. Come on now. Now get in this altar. Now lift up your voice. Come on now. Lift up your voice. Don't just come and stand in this altar. Get in this altar and lift up your voice right now. Somebody begin to lift up that voice. Thank you for joining us today. If you want more information, connect with us on our website at missionpoint.ca. God bless you.